Joshua chapter 3 verses 1 through 4 says this. Joshua started early the next morning and left the Acacia Grove with all. Every shout all? All. All the Israelites. All right. They went as far as the Jordan and stayed there before crossing. After three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God carried by the Levitical priests, you are to break camp and follow it. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between yourselves and the ark. Do not go near it so that you can see the way to go, for you haven't traveled this way before. Today as we continue on in our series, Selfies on Everest, I want to speak to you from the subject, group picture. Group picture. As we deal with what it looks like to do this journey of life and faith in community. We pray with me just one more time this morning. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive, it's active, it's powerful. It has the ability to transform us from the inside out. Speak to us right now. We need your voice. We need your word, not my words, in our lives and in our ears and in our heart. We give these moments to you in Jesus' mighty name. And the church shouted, amen. amen. Show of hands, um, this is not a trick question. How many of you grew up on movies like E.T.? Come on, E.T., the Goonies? Am I talking to anybody today? Um, how, about, how about Stand By Me? The Sandlot, there you go, The Breakfast Club, yeah, like these are the movies that I grew up on, I love this, this is when they were making good movies, come on, right, this is the era that I grew up in, these movies, uh, they do They do a lot for me, I don't know if you guys remember, but uh, I'll never forget, I had railroad tracks by the house that I grew up in, and, uh, and we used to go, I remember watching Stand By Me for the first time, and if you haven't seen this movie, railroad tracks play like a large portion of this movie, and I remember watching this movie for the first time, and getting friends and we would go down to the railroad tracks and we would walk these railroad tracks like they did in the Stand By Me uh, movie because we were trying to kind of reenact these moments. There was some going, E.T. How many, how many E.T. fans in here, right? I showed my kids E.T. for the first time uh, a little while ago. They freaked out. They, they were super scared. I don't know. I ruined their life apparently. And so... Um, but, like, for me, E.T. was the movie. Like, that was the jam. Like, I loved E.T. I bought my first BMX bike because of E.T. <laughs> you guys remember that moment when they're jumping those dirt and they got, like, the, they got E.T. in the front basket, right? And he's like, ouch. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, that was my movie. Like, all to the point that I needed a BMX with a basket and I needed an alien in the front. So just grab your little brother and put him in, right? <laughs> I love those movies. And, and the reason that I love these, these movies, movies like Goonies and The Breakfast Club and Stand By Me and E.T. is that there was something in them, all of these movies found their cohesion around a very basic yet important longing in each of our hearts and lives, relationships. All right? But not just any relationship. Relationships with substance, adventure, purpose, sacrifice, brotherhood, sisterhood, and a vision much larger than each person individually could do on their own. One that required them to come together to accomplish something that in their own right, they would never be able to do. And that's really what I want to kind of center our conversation around today, is this idea of, of relationship. And I still have this nostalgic joy that arises in me whenever I think about the friendships that I participated in as a young kid trying to recreate what I saw in these movies at different moments in my life, whether it was E.T. Or, or The Goonies. Like, how many of you watched The Goonies and you then wanted to go find a buried treasure? Right? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like, I did that yesterday. <laughs> 
Like there's just something about these movies that draw, that draw you in and you want to grab a hold of it. And it's not because you want to actually go find a buried treasure. It's not because you actually want to jump a BMX bike. These movies grab a hold of something that lies within every single one of us. And that is a desire for relationship. But not just any relationship. Substantive relationship. Relationship with grit. Relationship with purpose. Come on, relationship that has more than just likes and hearts on it. Right? The relationships that are more than just emotive in, in nature. Truth be told though, together, relationship has lost its potency as a reality in many of our lives. Is that a fair statement? It's as if we no longer believe in together and that together is important. We've adopted the idea that independent and on our own is somehow the crowning achievement of our individuality and ability as a person. Have you ever noticed that? Especially in America. Right? I'm an independent woman. Right? I'm a man. I'll do it on my own. And our voice has to go in there. Like it's at that level. Right? As if independent and on our own is the crowning achievement. But the truth is is that it's not. And how we do life and faith with others is so important to our journey of faith. Now let me qualify. I do want to say this. This is important. We're not saying that that our faith in Jesus is only possible through being in relationship with with one another. You can be alone and in relationship with Jesus. For sure. Right? We're not even saying, and you're never going to hear a pastor say this, but here you go. I'll go on record. We're not even saying that you need church to have a relationship with God. You don't. You could never come back here or any other church and you can still have a relationship with God. I would never step out there because that's, that's me and him. But what I have come to find out is that on my journey of faith, it's not that I need relationship to have my faith and to have my relationship with God. I've just found that relationship with others is what makes the journey enjoyable. Does that make sense? That's actually why we do church. These walls don't mean anything. These lights, the stage, the pole. That's not what this is about. At the end of the day, like this is, a, this is a rally moment. A bunch of us that are coming together right now, first and foremost, to worship, right? We all come together all kinds of different places and spaces. And, and we worship together in, in song, the lifting of our hands and, and clapping and, and singing. It's actually biblical. Check it out. Old Testament to New Testament. You hear all kinds of moments like this. So we come together. We do that. We are lifting up the name, which is above everything. Every other name. Right? And so we worship. And then we hear teaching. Hopefully that applies to our lives. That we can flesh it out together. And then we can take it out. And we can, we can live it out day to day. Monday through Saturday. And we do it together. And hopefully you're building relationship here. Because there happens to be a common hook in all of our lives right now. And that is Jesus. Right? That's what it's about. So that's how we're fleshing this thing out. So I've just come to find out as I read scripture and I process life that doing life together is of the utmost importance. See, the church is God's plan. Inherently built into it is relationship. Doing life and faith together. It doesn't mean that we all have to like each other. Can we preach this morning? (laughs) Right? Have you ever noticed that we over-spiritualize things? That we, that we over-fluffify things? <laughs> Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Right? The fluffification of the gospel. That's what we do. We somehow get into this place where we think that because I love Jesus and because I'm a Christian, that I have to, like, like I'm going to like everybody and get along with everybody and want to hang out with everybody in this kumbaya moment. 
It's getting quiet right here because I'm messing with some of your thought processes about this. How many of you have brothers and sisters? You want to be around them all the time, don't you? <laughs> They're like, nope, uh-uh, not at all, uh-uh. Thanksgiving, and that's pushing it. <laughs> Yet we're likened to brothers and sisters. Right? We want to be around our parents all the time. We want to be around our friends all the time. Right? How many of you have a friend in your life? You're like, three days, I can do it. That's it, right? <laughs> Pass that, we need a break. <laughs> Who and how we do life with is so important to our journey of faith. Right? We work at building relationships into our life so that we can climb our Everest. Because here's the reality. If we're all going to climb the Everest that's in front of us, we need to have the people that are on our team. We need to have the people in our lives that are on our expedition, that they're, they're a part of our journey. And who we're connected to is very, very important. What are we saying? That's what we're saying. Is that why would we want to engage in a journey with all kinds of twists and turns and obstacles and cliffs and frustrations and knowns? Why would we want to do that alone? And so what I want to do today is I want to kind of deal with this, this issue. If you're taking notes today, write this down. This is a, this is a big statement, but a, but a statement we need to wrestle with. The gospel is worked out in relationship. The gospel is worked out in relationship. How many of you know, you don't really have to work the gospel out on an island by yourself, right? Like, you don't really have to do anything. If you're on an island by yourself, the only one that you have to forgive, the only one that you have to have grace for is you and Wilson. (laughs) Wilson! If you know what I'm talking about. Like that's the, that's the only thing. But that's not how this thing works. The gospel, the beauty and the fullness of the gospel is actually worked out in the context of relationship. And I think for many of us, the reason that we shy away from relationship is we don't want to do the hard work of grace and forgiveness. We do not want to have the hard work of dropping my pride and my ego and the things that actually set itself up against relationships. So it's easier to be alone and then put an Enneagram number on it. Right? My friend said this the other day and I'm adopting it. Can we stop weaponizing our Enneagram numbers? Can we stop weaponizing our personality tests? I don't care if you're an extrovert or you're an introvert. It doesn't mean that we are above God's design. Make sense? And so many times what we do is I say, I'm an introvert. I just, I can't do people. You're supposed to do people. You're designed for people. I'm an extrovert. I have to have people around me all the time. And there's the other side of it, which is I need silence and quiet moments, me and God. Right? Here's what I've come out to find about both of them. Introversion and extroversion has nothing to do with actually being in relationship with people. I did not say this in the first service, so here you go. It actually doesn't have to do with being in relationship with people. It has everything to do with how you're fueled. I'm an extrovert, okay? And I'm not defined as an extrovert because I'm loud. Some of you are like, yes, you are. (laughs) Full extroversion. It's not because I'm loud and I I like to talk. How I'm fueled is by people. Like literally, me and my wife are polar opposites, okay? So if you get me around people like all day long, and then I will go to coffee in between services and talk, 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 talk. And then after service, I want to be around more people. Talk, 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 talk. Why? Because I'm fueled. I love being around people. You put me alone behind my like in a room by myself, and I'm going to lose my mind. I'm not fueled. But some of you guys, right, after this service, you're like, I need to be alone. 
and my fuel. It's exhausting you to be around people, introversion, extroversion. But here's the thing, is that neither one of those is licensed to rage against God's design of relationship. Wow. That's good. Okay? So we've got to talk about this stuff. So what I want to do today is I want to deal with why we should be doing life together. Why we should climb together. And to do this, I'm going to use some illustrations from Everest. I'm going to use some personal illustrations from my own life and being lost in the woods and everything like that. Hopefully we'll create kind of a picture and some help as to why we do this journey of faith and life together. Does that work for everybody? All right. Um, Four reasons why we climb together need your help. Every shot number one. Here's the first one. When we hurt, we hurt together. When we hurt... We hurt together. 1 Corinthians 12, 24 through 26 says this. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. Here it is. This is what I want you to hear. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. See, this is why we do prayer requests at the beginning like we do. And so when we hear somebody is going through something, the reason that we are doing this is not to just tell everybody stuff, but we're literally working through the Bible's design for us and saying when one hurts, we hurt together. Right? Right? When one rejoices, we rejoice together. But in this moment, we're talking about hurting together. And as a pastor, I watch so many people try to do this thing called faith and life alone, only to end up in so many ways quitting on both because they don't have anyone on the journey with them. One of the greatest reasons that we should never head off into the wilderness alone is because if we get hurt, there's no one there to help. Right? So I talked about a story last week and the week before where um, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I get lost in the woods <laughs> um, because I have a tendency to want to go off and do it on my own, right? I'm stubborn like that. I'm, 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 I'm hard-headed that way, and I love the idea of the adventure that comes with it. Here's the problem. So I got lost in the Uintas a little while ago, and I was gone for two hours. My, my friends couldn't find me. They didn't know what was going on. I was lost. I was roaming around, and my head plays tricks on me. Anybody else's head plays trick on them? All right. How many of you are creative and you just make things up? <laughs> right? And we call it creativity. <laughs> no, that's a lie. Um, just so you know. But uh, <laughs> so I'm out in the woods, and as I'm out in the woods, I'm lost and I'm starting to freak out. And you, uh, if you've ever been panicky before, you know, like it starts here, right? And then it works its way into your head. And once the panic gets in your head, it transforms all your thoughts, doesn't it? Yeah. And so the panic in my head is like this. So I start thinking to myself, I'm like, what if I fall? What if I trip over something and I'm impaled upon a log? Right? And then all of a sudden I have to saw my leg off like that dude who got caught in the rocks. <laughs> this is my head, guys. Right? And I'm thinking to myself, right now I'm alone and I'm lost in the wilderness. No one's going to be able to find me. No one's going to be able to rescue me. And they're going to find me years later just a skeleton out in the middle of the wilderness. And this is what I started to realize in that moment. The reason that the fear was there is because even the tiniest of injuries alone can become life-threatening when we are alone. Right? The tiniest of injuries. But when I'm with somebody, when Dave's with me, when we're lost together, I know that we can at least put out a fire. (laughs) We still may die, but not by fire. But when I'm lost with somebody, I have the ability to So Dave, when I'm with Dave and we're lost in the wilderness together, if I get hurt, I know that Dave's going to be able to help me. That my injury may not be life-threatening, but when we do life alone, the injuries that we 
have along the journey can potentially become life and faith threatening. But this is how so many of us do life. Do it alone. And we go at it alone because we view it easier and less complicated. Only to be met with the same injuries that we would have if we were doing life together. The only problem is, is that being hurt alone is far more dangerous than being hurt together. Can I, can I tell you something? Hurt is a part of relationship. You want to know how you spell relationship? H-U-R-T. You're going to get hurt. Right? I had a re- very real pastor when, when we were first getting married and the pre-marriage counseling that we went through. I was so thankful that he just laid it out. He's like, you guys are probably going to hurt each other. At some moment or at some place. So what we do, he goes, I want you to not try to not hurt each other. I want you to build the tools necessary that in relationship you can work through the hurt that you will experience. But see, so many of us are at, like, we're adverse to hurt that it's much easier for us to say no to relationship. Can I just say that when you say no to relationship, you're saying no to design. We've been built for one another. Relationship is important. People who love Jesus are going to hurt us. People who don't love Jesus are going to hurt us. Why? Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter where you're at in your faith journey, you're still people. Humanity is still the, the negotiating factor there. Am I talking to anybody today? So when we hurt, we hurt, we hurt together. And this is how we walk through the journey of life. Number two, shot number two? Here's the second thing. We can be rescued from what we can't see. When we do life together, when we climb together, we can be rescued from what we can't see. Two, Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their efforts. For if either falls, his companion can lift him up. But pity the fool. It's right there in the Bible. Pity the fool who falls without another to lift him up. Also, if two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one person keep, long, uh, keep, keep uh, uh, one person alone keep warm? And if someone overpowers one person, two can resist him. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. This is all about, we can be rescued from what we can't see. This is all about having eyes, other eyes, gazing at our journey. How many of you would agree with me that there's some, probably some moments in our life where we stepped into something and fell down and we didn't have to? Come on, show hands, like just therapeutic moment. How many of you would agree with me? I'll put every one up. Right? Like how many of you are like, that was a bad decision and I could have avoided that bad decision had I had somebody keeping eyes, but I was just kind of doing it alone. My daughter right now, Eliana, she's two and she's growing. She's getting taller, literally getting taller. But a little while ago, we have this island in our kitchen and a little while ago, she was short enough where she could just run and, and my other kids, they would chase her around the kitchen. And so what she would do to not get caught is that she would run because the island hangs out over a little bit, right? And so she would run underneath the overhang of the countertop and they couldn't get her because they couldn't go down or they had to get on their knees. And so she would constantly run around. So that was her safe spot, right? So she would run and and then she would get underneath there. Well, literally a couple weeks ago, they decided to play the game again. See, Eliana's failed to realize that she's gotten taller though. And so she went blitzing across the room and she went to go run underneath the countertop, not realizing that she needed a duck in that moment. And bang! Smacked her head. Blip! Went down. 
we laughed, and um, <laughs> the parents we are. <laughs> She still, she still kind of has an egg on her head, actually. Um, and that was months ago. So, um, But she went down, and, and, and so we picked her up, and we're like, baby girl, like, you got to realize you're taller. We're trying to explain this to a two-year-old. You can't run that way anymore. But the thing is, is she hasn't completely computed it yet. So now when they play the game, mom and I have to constantly be paying attention and shouting at her like, L, remember, head, bonk, down. Right? Like, watch out for your head. You can't go underneath there anymore. And, and I think that's how many of us do life. As we keep on smacking our head on this thing that's there because we won't allow others to tell us, watch out for the countertop. Right. You ever been there before? Yeah. Don't we get mad when people tell us to watch out for the countertop? Yeah. Right? Like, shut up. <laughs> we don't use that word in our house. Okay. <laughs> But don't we do it? Come on, like, especially, and, and, and this is not a guy thing, it's a human thing, okay? Right? All of us, when someone tells us that when they point out something that we can't see, they're like, hey, watch out for this, and you're like, whatever. And inside, you're like, thank God, I didn't see that. <laughs> right? But on the outside, because we're prideful, we're like, whatever, I got this. <laughs> Isn't it crazy that for many of us, we will gladly fall into a pit instead of engaging in accountability. Isn't that interesting? That we'll take the injury, we'll take the hit, we'll fall, we'll fall hard when it could have been saved because you had that person who was like, hey, pit, pit's coming, see the pit? Pit. No, I'm just going to do it on my own. The truth is, is that we tend to err on the side of independence because we don't like having someone else tell us that we can't see. I mean, there's a million reasons we do this. Trust issues, past hurts, pride, ego, naivety, ignorance, straight up rebellion. Either way, many of the things that we have fallen into, bumped into, slipped on, and experienced negatively, I have found to be avoidable in so many moments. They're avoidable when I have other sets of eyes looking out for me. They are avoidable when we have other sets of eyes looking out for us. Can I just tell you, I got a lot of eyes in my life. Now, at the end of the day, can I still do whatever I want to do? Yeah, 100%. But I got enough eyes in my life where it's very difficult. It's very difficult. Like, like literally now I have location devices on. My wife knows where I'm at at all times. Right? Friends know where I'm at at all times. Like... These are the things, they're, they're eyes on us. And the scary thing to me is this, is that many of us are living with no accountability, no wisdom, nobody speaking into our lives, nobody helping us through things, all because I want to go at it alone. Not every hurt is avoidable. Not every pit is avoidable. But there's more that is avoidable than there is not. That's why I want to ask us the question today. How many of us could just step back for a moment and go, man, there's a lot that I actually could have avoided if I just had another set of eyes looking at things. I was skiing the other day at at Brighton with a friend of mine who's in the first service and we went off into the trees and um, we were looking for 
deep stuff and everything like that. And so as we're skiing, we got to the top of like this hill and then we started to go down and it was in that moment where I kind of checked myself. I was like, I should probably stay with him, but nah. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? And so I skied my own path and then he kept on going. Where I came down, I skied this down this lake and I was bobbing through some trees and then I got down to this other side and right when I got down and stopped, I realized that this was a very high, like there was a cliff. And sure enough, about like three and a half seconds later, I watched him go bounce one, bounce two, off the cliff. Right, like it was awesome. <laughs> and I've never seen anything like this before because he, he literally turned into the edge of the cliff and realized that there was a cliff and he went flying, but how he went flying was the best thing I've ever seen in my life because he's skiing and all of a sudden he went like this and just like launched out. <laughs> So he like kind of torpedoed through the air and then he, it was probably a good like 10 or so feet that he went flying and then he hit the, he hit the snow right in front of him, but it was luckily deep slow, like deep snow, untracked. He hit it, boof, disappeared, gone, (laughs) gone. And then all of a sudden I see his head poke up and I was like, thank you, Lord. You've made my life awesome today. It's the best thing I've ever seen, right? And he pokes his head up and he goes, that was awesome. But you know when someone says that's awesome and on the other half of that awesome is like, I almost died. You know what I'm talking about? That was his look. That was his, and I was thinking just myself, what if I would have stayed with him? What if I would have told, like, what if we would have been looking out for each other the way that we were supposed to because the territory that we were entering into needed us to be looking out for one another. But because I decided to go Lone Ranger and he decided to go Lone Ranger, one of us experienced something that we otherwise wouldn't have had to if we would have been looking out for one another. And I think for many of us, we're going Lone Ranger in this life. We're navigating all the things that we're navigating with a Lone Ranger mentality. And I just want to let you know, if we're not careful and we're by ourselves, we may hit a cliff and it's detrimental to our faith in life it's a journey now luckily he wasn't hurt that day and now some of you right now you linear thinkers you're like I can poke holes in this analogy what about the guy who goes what about the free solo guy he went by himself bottom line is this is that you have to exercise a lot of willpower alone And at a certain point, you're going to get tired. And the decisions you make when you're tired, they become very dangerous. But when we have eyes on us, it changes the game. Am I talking to anybody today? Am I talking to anybody? All right, number three. Have a shot number three? I like this one. There's safety in numbers. This is about wisdom and accountability. All right? The last point's about seeing blind spots, having people be able to see those things for you. This one's about wisdom and accountability. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, without guidance, say people will fall, but with many counselors, there is deliverance. This has to do with having people in our life who can bring wisdom and accountability. And I think one of the saddest and most frustrating ways that we can live is to do so without wisdom and accountability in our lives. Someone needs to write this down today. Alone is the most vulnerable and insecure place that we can exist. Stand out in the middle of a forest by yourself. Sit out in the middle of the ocean by yourself. And you will understand the magnitude and the vulnerability found in being alone. You ever been there before? When I lived in Australia, I used to do 5 a.m. surf sessions. I learned how to surf in Australia and it was something that I loved. And so 
I used, I literally would walk into classes with wet board shorts on. We'd do these 5 a.m. sessions. We'd watch the sun come up. And there were a few times where I would go out and I would surf and my buddies, because we were college students, they slept in, they forgot, they didn't want to put the work in to, to show up. And I had moments where I had to make the decision, am I going to go surf this alone? Now, if you know anything about me, there's a mechanism in my head that doesn't exist, which is, yes, I'm going to go surf this alone. And so I went out there and there were some days where I got into some waves and I'm sitting out the ocean on my own by myself I don't know if you've ever been in that place before, but there is, a, there is a solitude that is beautiful, but there is a loneliness that's deafening. Let's say that one more time. There is a solitude that is beautiful, but there is a loneliness that is deafening. And it was in that moment and in those moments where I would go at it alone that I realized I am in a very dangerous position right now because I do not have anybody to hold me accountable or, or give me wisdom. I was a new surfer. I had never done this before. So I would always surf with guys who had much more information than me, much more understanding than I did. They could read the breaks, they could read the waves, they knew when certain sets were coming in, which ones we should go on, which ones we should just let go past us. They helped navigate those waters. And the funny thing is, is that at the end of the day, I've come to realize that for many of us, we will navigate this life without anybody speaking into it. We will go about it without wisdom. We will go about it without accountability. Now, I want to say this, here's the truth. The people that we allow into our lives have to be the right people. Can we be honest in church today? Because the other thing is, the other thing that is just as dangerous as going at it alone is going at it with people who are not going to help you. The most dangerous thing that we can do besides alone is doing it with people who do not have what we need in order to walk through life. How many of you know if you were going to go climb Everest tomorrow and you went and hired a Sherpa and you got some people with you and the Sherpa and everybody with you went, we've never done this before. <laughs> How many of you like, that's probably pause. Let's take a little while to figure this thing out. The funny thing is that many of us do this. We'll try to climb this, this mountain of faith and life and we'll do it with people who've never climbed the mountain before. They've got no wisdom. They've got no discretion. They've got no understanding. Right? So let me help you out. Write this down. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I will show you your future. Hey, even better yet, let's put it this way. Show me your friend's Instagram account and I'll show you your future. Bing! So here's the litmus test. Who we want in our lives? Well, are they people of character? Come on, can we, can we shout these ones down? Are they people of character? Are they people of integrity? Are they people of consistency? Can I be your pastor today? Are they people of competency? And are they people of faith? Yeah. That's who I have in my life. I want to show you a picture. Uh, this picture is uh, one from an article I was just reading. Um, this, is, uh, this is a climber. They're going up this summit, uh, one of the summits in Everest. And you can't necessarily see everything. Uh, but there's a comment that is attached to this. And this was from the Sherpa that was with them. This is what he says. I've said it before and I'll say it again. This guy should not have been on Everest. 
crampons on the wrong feet, a helmet on his rucksack instead of his head, and a few useless quick draws on his harness. He didn't even operate his Jumar at each Rebla, and his climbing Sherpa had to do it for him. Then he says this, he was a liability to himself and to everyone around him. Should have never been on the mountain. And the, the crazy thing is, the scary thing is, you got a Sherpa saying that he should have never been on the mountain, and he's connected to everybody else. Who we are connected to is how our climb is going to go. Who are you connected to? Like, I never want to be connected to the person when I'm doing something I've never done before. Like, I'm climbing Everest. I do not want Eeyore a part of my expedition. Come on, somebody. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like, I don't want the guy who's at the bottom of the rope going, we're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. You don't want that guy with you, right? Lack of faith. Lack of expectation. I don't want my Sherpa to not know what he's doing. Yeah. Right? How many of you would love it? The guy who's leading the expedition goes, hey guys, I have no idea. <laughs> There's safety in numbers. I read this article recently about some guys who all hunt together. And uh, they're the same guys, they always hunt to them and they're talking about being safety in numbers because where they go, um, they've been stalked by... Um, by mountain lions. And I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> right? But he was literally saying, like, when we go out, we cannot allow anybody to go out on their own because, that, because these mountain lions that we are, that are around us, we don't know where they're at, we don't know what's going on. Do you know there's an enemy <laughs> that has a plan for each and every single one of our lives just as much as God has a plan for our life? His plan's to thwart it. And it's interesting that he, the Bible tells us that he roams like a lion. Steal, kill, and destroy. He's going to take some people out. Something we got to understand, but I found that when I do life together, when I do life with Dave, when I do life with Devon, when I do life with Kaisa, when I do life with these people in my, in my world, I've got eyes looking out for me. And I've got them around me as well, bringing accountability and wisdom into my life. Because here's the news flash, and then I'll move on to the next point we're going to close. Here's the news flash. Everybody needs to hear this. You don't know everything. Guess what? I don't know everything. My wife tells me all the time. But we think we do. There's safety in numbers. Last one, number four. We shot number four. Alone, we are stuck. Together, we overcome. Alone, we are stuck. Together, we overcome. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 through 5. Brothers and sisters, if anyone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. Carry one another's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. I was on this guy's blog recently, and he was talking about preparing for an Everest climb, years before they climb. And again, I've been fascinated. Those of us who are communicating through this series, we've all like compared notes on, on all these Everest details and 
all these ideas and thoughts that have come. So I was reading this guy's blog and he was talking about getting ready to climb Foreverest. And so as I'm reading this, I get to this moment and he says, day five, they were on this like 10 day hike. Day five. You know how they do that on their blog to get you to read it more? Day five. We come across this ridge and I feel like they have to read it in a deep voice. We come across this ridge the sun glistening off of the snow-capped mountains through the trees. We can hear birds. He's writing this all out. I'm like, okay, now I'm in. And he goes, we come to this spot on the mountain where there was this overhang and there was no other way around it. We had to climb up it. So he talks right there in that moment about if they were going to ascend to the top, the only way that they were going to get over this overhang to get back to the trail that they needed to get to was by lifting one another up. He's got a picture on his blog of them like doing that thing. Mitch, give me your foot. You know how they're doing this, right? And they're like lifting each other up. And, and then when the first one got up, then he reached his hand down and the other one would come and they would keep on lifting up the other one on this thing. Can I just give you a picture this is our journey of faith. He's like, what are you going to do? <laughs> That's a picture of our journey of faith. The crazy thing is, is I watch so many people. Come on, man. You been there before? Just... literally close enough to watch the other group of people and sometimes you just want to go hey bro stop come over here come hop in this table group we'll lift you up come on get onto this team we'll we'll, we'll do this together come on let's meet for coffee once a week and and, and we'll get caffeinated and climb the mountain (laughs) (laughs) right Come on, let, let, let's do this together. And I think the sad state that we're in so many times is the one where we are alone and we're jumping by ourselves to try to grab onto something that at the end of the day, we are not going to be able to overcome on our own. Overcoming is done in relationship. Overcoming is first and foremost done because of what Jesus has done on the cross. But secondarily, over is com- overcome happens when we can lift one another up, when we can pick the other one up and we can grab a hand and we can lift one another up. So can I say this today for what it's worth? Don't do life alone. Don't do faith alone. I'm not saying that you have to have 55 people in your corner. But get like three. Right? Two. If they're that good. Because when we do it alone, we subject ourselves to so many things that we don't need to be subjected to. And when we do it together, I've got people locked arms with, who see things, tell me things, who input into my life, who shout things from the rooftop. Say, hey, Jason, you see this? It's right in front of you. Together, we climb. I never, ever want to get to the top of Everest and take a selfie. I want to get to the top of Everest, and I want to
on every person that was connected to that rope, every person that helped carry my pack, every person who helped me set up my tent, and I helped set up theirs. I want to get to the top, and I want to get everybody super close. All our sunburned faces and nasty breath, I was want in the picture. Why? Because we got to the top of Everest together in Jesus' name. Come on, can I get an amen today?